So I've offered Bill. I've offered several times. Oh, oh, and we're we're on we're recording now. So yeah, we're talking about personal stuff. Yeah, this is uh, Kevin Evans with a chapter by chapter life class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville, and we are studying. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up a study of the Gospels and rapidly coming to the end of John. And uh, <coughs> last week we started chapter fifteen, in which Christ gives the meta uh, the metaphor the the, the parable of uh, the vine and the branches. And the first third of it, uh, he basically shows a metaphor of the disciples' relationship to God and how we should approach him and how he approaches us. And then he talks about the relationship of uh, uh, disciples to each other and how they should love each other and see each other as equals. And then we stopped. <coughs> excuse me, on verse 17. At verse 18, he discusses how the same disciples should have a relationship with the world and how the world is going to respond. And uh, suddenly it's not all lovey-dovey anymore because he is giving them a warning that, uh, that the world is not going to receive them and there is going to be kickback and... Uh, it, it, they need to be prepared for adversity. So what I want to do is finish up chapter 15 and then backtrack and discuss some of the issues that came up the last time we were uh, studying this last week. So verse 18 of chapter 15 of John. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So, Christ, God, is the branch. And Christians are, 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 are the, the, there's the vine. And uh, Christians are branches coming off of that vine. And so we need to anchor ourselves in Christ and behave as Christ behaves and follow Christ's will and not our own because we are connected to that vine. And as long as we are connected to that vine, then we are acting as Christ's emissaries on earth and we're, we're covered under God's glory and protection and there's power in that, Christ says. 
And then he tells his disciples to love each other rather than try to one-up each other. Uh, and uh, how they're, they're equals and his friends, and that love is the last commandment. And then he tells them, oh, by the way, the world is going to hate you guys. Which is, and that's pretty much it. Um, I think anybody, I think it's human nature to resist a change to the status quo. We get used to the way things are. And when somebody does something different, there is this little tweak in the back of our head going, do I want to change? I'm not so comfortable in this point. You know, even if we're not comfortable, if we've been doing it uncomfortably for years, then do we really want to change? I'm not sure that I agree with change for change's sake. I think I used to. When I was younger, I wanted to change everything just because I wanted to change everything. <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know that I really had a problem with the way things were, other than that it was boring and we needed to do it my way, you know? Yeah, what are, what yeah. are you rebelling against? Uh, every, yeah, everybody. Uh, I, I think I'm past the rebellion stage, and I can see there, there, there is merit in doing something well that's been done well for a long time and sticking to it. Uh, however, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to turn into the person that says we, change is bad and we need to stay with this and not, not, do any, not change and we're going to stick to the way it's always been. I don't want to turn into male. <laughs> God bless Mel. I love that. He, he was on the board, old man on the board, and he took, he took the negative position on everything. It was glorious. And, and from a debater's point of view, it just made the meeting so much more interesting. You know, everybody is, oh, I'm all for that, except for Mel, and Mel's got to discuss why this might be a bad idea. We had him in district council. There's a guy one year that he, every district council, he'd get up, everything that's presented, he says, I'm against. Yep. And then when you cornered him, so what, what did he get? So he couldn't tell you why he was against. Couldn't tell you why? He just, I'm against it. We were changing, remember Christ, the, used to, they used to call you, the department, Christ the Bastardors in the Assembly of the God. Yeah. Well, no one called it Christ the Bastardors since the 70s, yeah. you know, the CA. So they were going to just update the language in our Constitution and bylaws and change the name of the district youth department from the Christian Ambassadors Department to the youth department. He got up and threw a fit over Sure. It. And this was like 2004. Well, changing names is always <laughs> dicey. <laughs> of course, at our church, we change the names of everything about every five years. It doesn't matter. And then we, and then, and then when we refer to it, we refer to it as the name from two back from ten years ago. <laughs> and we confuse all the new people, you know. So let's go to the 49ers meeting, shall we? Yeah. And Mission Eds. Mission yeah. But it hasn't been called that for how long? Yeah. And now it's all initials. So, the, but that's a natural position to be in. I think, I think we, we as human beings like comfort. We like the status quo. We like doing it the way we always have. We know this. It's, it's what we know versus what we don't know. And so when we change something, there is that resistance. Now, if, if you have somebody that's completely living for themselves, then that status quo is deep and ingrained. It's, it's personal. 
And now we have a Christian coming and telling you that you need to stop living for yourself and start living for God, whom you may not even acknowledge anyway. And that's a pretty major, you know, challenge to the status quo. I can see why, even without putting all the power dynamics in there, why that would be such a resistance. It's not, it's not easy witnessing. And then, if, if people are making this huge, massive change to their lives, then who's in charge when it's over? And always there's that question, you know? Uh, and so sometimes the argument is not so much, well, like the Pharisees, you know, that if, if it wasn't about them losing power in their country and their status in their society, do you think they would have been more open to Christ being the Messiah? I'm thinking probably, you know, that, that, that social dynamic is huge. It's a big part of uh, particularly how men see themselves. We define ourselves by what we do. Women are a little different. I won't get into the whole psychology there, but yeah. Huh? Uh, but you know, th that, that's a huge deal. And if you're challenging your position in society and your job, then that's a whole lot to get are stupid, how could they possibly have enough money to hire a counselor? Okay, so okay, go ahead. <laughs> the, earth, the earth is made of 70% water, it is not carbonated, so the earth is flat. Uh, ah! 
So we have no excuse for our sin after we know that we're sinning and God has forgiven us. Uh, I think now's a good time to backtrack. And uh, in verse 6, uh, as Jesse pointed out to us last week, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And you felt, Jesse, because I'm blaming this all on you, uh, that that was a good argument for? Against. Against. Once saved, always saved. So you're saying that, that once you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then that's not necessarily a done deal. Okay. And I said I would come back this week after I studied. And I've been studying all week long trying to figure out if I'm saved or not. Thank you so much for injecting doubt into my mind once again. Thank you so much. And um, the, the problem is that uh, I uh, was raised by a Southern Baptist minister. And for years and years, I was uh, what Baptists like to call a hard shell, meaning I was pig-headed and was not going to change my mind about anything and loved so to yell at people. And loved to, yeah, I did not like change. <laughs> and I would yell at people that did not agree with me. Uh, admittedly, I was young at the time, and um, uh, I, uh, I uh, made the tragic mistake of falling in love with the most Pentecostal woman in America. Yes, she does. <laughs> and um, uh, there was no way that Judy was going to in any way embrace any level of the doctrine that I was raised with. And that if I had any chance of a relationship with my wife, I was going to have to change. And so it was kind of, uh, you know, the, the immovable object and the uh, unstoppable force kind of situation. And as a result, our courtship lasted for almost three years, uh, you know, a little longer than average, because I was not ever going to be, I wasn't going to lie. I wasn't going to just say, oh, who cares, I'll just put up with you people and believe what I want to believe. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I had to be honest about it. And I wasn't going to have an unequal yoke with my wife. And so I had to step back from my own established faith and really tackle this subject. Now, I was saved. There's no question that I was saved. And I don't think the AG would have challenged my salvation. But I was really, don't look at me that way. Well, well they did later. They did later. Yeah, they did later. Um, but uh, the thing is, I just felt really comfortable in uh, being saved and, and, and not being able to, to, to let it go. So, I, I can acknowledge that I might possibly be able to lose my salvation, but the thing is, I don't think I've ever in my life been so apostate that even by AG standards, I would have reached that. It's never been a personal issue. And when I was dating Judy, and I was really weighing this out, I, my conclusion was that it's a moot point. The only time that we really have this conversation in earnest is when we're talking about 
someone at their funeral and somebody says, are we going to see them again? And we get into this big argument about whether or not they went to heaven or hell. I've had that conversation several times concerning my relatives on half of them, you know. Uh, I had a buddy in high school I went to school with that I was quite close to at one point. And uh, when he was 13 years old, he got saved in my church in the summer revival, Southern Baptist Church, by the way, and uh, got baptized and, uh, you know, name written in the book of life, the whole bit. And then he never came back to church. Not once. He lived a very sinful life. And when we went to college, we went to the same junior <coughs> college, and uh, he joined a fraternity and uh, was involved in a drug deal and uh, died with a bullet in the back of his head. Uh, so I'm at his funeral, and I'm having this conversation with my relatives. And did Joey go to heaven? Hmm. I was there when he got baptized. Yeah, see, the Bible also talks about Christians that fall asleep in Christ, that they're still found worthy because of God wakes the heart. Well, we're all sinners, every last one of us, need Christ saying and Christ on there. And yeah. Otherwise, even, even in their walk with Christ, we need to walk in repentance on a regular basis and we fall short. So, I mean, I mean, him turning away from the church and being a very sinful life doesn't, doesn't weigh, you know, that he's still not saved. I believe, you know, when it says that he will, people will be cut from the vine and it talks about the type of fruits that they produce. So you got a bunch of people that are wolves in sheep's clothing. They come to church just for the title or kind of use it as a cover up. They say they know Jesus, but their actions are- I work for days. You're, you're skimming over my lesson. Let me work here, dude. Just give me a point. Don't teach the whole thing. How rude. <laughs> it's like you're so far ahead of me. It's a slow burn, man. I got like 50 verses here. It's the presentation. <laughs> he had his whole hands around it. Yeah, yeah. I've been working this for hours. Okay. Uh, yes, you're right. Thank you. Uh, all right. So the Baptist answer to Joey is, yeah, sure he's in heaven. Because he made a profession of faith. He's, he's in. Yeah, he, he, he fell back. He was backslidden. That's the fancy Baptist word for a saved person who is not living for God. He's backslidden. Uh, and an assembly of God person would say, oh no, he was apostate. He had completely given up on Christ. He stepped away. Am I using that word wrong? We, well, no, we would say backslidden too, but we define it differently. Okay, fair enough. And, and therefore, he, is, he did not go to heaven. Uh, and, okay, so I don't want to preach a doctrine in an AG church that's against the AG church. That's not my intention. But I do think we need to examine the scripture and we need to compare it against other denominational interpretations. Does that make, is that fair? Okay. So to that end, I looked up what the assembly of God officially says about the assurance of salvation. And when I boiled it down to 10 point font, I got five solid pages worth. I didn't even count the verses. I stopped after about 25. Oh my goodness! This is the official stand. Have you read this lately? Have you read this lately? Okay. The last half of it you will be happy to learn is pretty much a refutation of all things Calvinist and predestination. Because evidently that's, that, that's what everybody that has, uh, that's, that, that's, um, um, never mind. Um, that's what preachers like to argue about is, is predestination. 
the subject today is the withered uh, branch. And so at what point are we a withered branch? Now, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but basically I'm going to read the statement from the Assembly of God. In view of the biblical teaching that the security of the believer depends on a living relationship with Christ, John 15, 6, in a view of the Bible's call to a life of holiness, Hebrew 12, 14, uh, in view of the clear teaching that a man may have his part taken out of the book of life, Revelations 22, I think a Baptist would argue that one. I looked it up. And in view of the fact that one who believes for a while can fall away, Luke 8, 13, the general council of the assemblies of God disapproves of the unconditional, disapproves of the unconditional security position which holds that it is impossible for a person once saved to be, lo to be lost. Disapproves of the unconditional security position which holds that it is impossible for a person once saved to be lost. So it means you can become lost again after you've been saved. So, uh, going through all of the what salvation is, I think we're all in agreement. I, I, I wanted to home in on one set of scripture that I think really captures the argument. And my candidate today is Hebrews 6.4. So let me go there. I've been a good teacher. I already had this. Oh, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm terrible at memorizing things. Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance. Oh, wow, that's hard. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So, if you're saved, according to this, according to Hebrews, and you turn your back on God, and you walk away, like Joey, then you can't come back, according to Hebrews. Because... I mean, is turning... There's trampling on the blood of Christ. Yes. Okay, so at what point does it become falling away? <clears throat> See, this is the part where Evans breaks down. Yes? I think a lot of it is also, were they truly saved? Did they really understand what they were doing at that time? Thank you, Miss Southern Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm married to one. Okay, I understand. <laughs> And to be fair, in arguing from on the AG side of this now, in our verse we're talking about, he's talking about a withered branch. It's not a withered weed. You know, the best way I can interpret that would be say, well, it wasn't really a, a branch, and we're talking about the tares and the wheat. And, you know, that's what the, would be the baddest argument, because we're taking out the tares. Those are the people that, 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 that never received Christ, and so we're removing them, and they're being cast out. But this is a branch. This was on the vine. But you're not bearing fruit. But it's not bearing fruit. But then are we works oriented? So then we have to bear fruit. Are we works oriented then? 
<laughs> right. It's not that, and it quickly becomes work oriented. The bigger you dig this, the the, the, the more the more of a, a, a contrast in, it, it is. And, okay, let's talk about like sin. When do you become? When does it become falling away? The argument usually is that it's when you have consistent and repetitive sins in your life. Is that, does that sound right? No, no, that is the argument. But right, yes, well, okay, yeah. okay. What? So there's there's two really extreme views. I would say one is like maybe open theism, where you it, the minute like let's say you die right after you sin, you're going to hell. Like you die, you sin right now, and you die right after. Uh-huh. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Like that's that. right. So, but there's a view in open theism that I agree with, but then I come to the middle and I say that God looks at the heart. Like He He knows I'm gonna make mistakes, right? But I'm not I'm my heart is to follow him. My heart is fixed on him. So if I sin, there's forgiveness for my sin. But there's like an extreme view that's like, okay, like the minute you sin you're you're out. And then the minute you repent you're Hebrews pretty much just said that. Right, but then also the word of God says that God looks at the heart and the intentions of the heart. Is the word of God contradicting itself? No. I think that sin is what we're defining. Like, I think sin is what happens in your heart. Like, you see what I'm saying? Are we talking about the difference between sin and falling away? No, I think you have to talk about sin, though, to talk about the definition of what it means. I agree. Let me let me dig into that a little bit. Okay. Um, let's define sin. Uh, I would love to make sin something really bad that you get, uh, you know, heavy sentences in prison for. Uh, uh, I think sin, the things that we call sins, are fruit of something, and it's a fruit of oh, that's a good your point. heart not focused on God. It's your heart is not uh, surrendered to God. Christ says. That if you think about a woman, then that's the same as adultery, right? So sin is your intention and your thought life. And oh my goodness, I have a murderous thought life. (laughs) And I uh, and I have never. I will stay, you know, in public. I've never. Uh, cheated on my wife in any way, form, or fashion. Uh, but I can't say that I haven't noticed a hot chick walk by since I've been married. That's <laughs> abnormal. To the point that I don't even notice it because it's so built into my structure that I don't even think about that as being a bad thing. Okay? So. Is that repetitive? Am I sinning against God in my heart when I notice an attractive woman? They go everywhere, man. You know, Temptation like, isn't sin. It's what you do it's with it. Yeah. But Christ said if you've sinned in your heart, then you're opening the door to that possibility. But I don't think the noticing of the woman, the, the temptation, that's not sin in your heart. Oh, it's not. Because then you Mm. Oh, I see. 
Okay, still guilty. Okay, still guilty. So why, you know, I, I, my point is, I think that, that, I, we, we all sin, and we all sin consistently. It may not be that, but I'm also, you know, completely wrapped up in myself and totally sure that I'm right at all times. So as a result, I tend to walk over people. I'm trained as a teacher. I can't stop myself anymore, you know. Uh, I... Uh, that's that's a sin, and and people have people are going to have these little small sins that are consistently part of their life, and that is a consistent and repetitive sin, and therefore by the definition of what falling away is, we're all going to hell. But we're not all going to hell. I know we're not going to hell. So at some point, this rationalization falls apart. This is this is my my feeling about sin. Yes. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can convince me if I've sinned, right? And convince me hard if I've sinned. So I think if we if the Holy Spirit not can convicting you anymore, then you're not with the Lord anymore. Because you know the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict you back for forgiveness. If you ain't got any conviction and, and when you sin, then you, you ain't with God in my opinion. Or you're not listening to him. So it's when your conscience <laughs> is so jaded that you don't feel it. You, you do it naturally. Your attention isn't focused on him anymore. It's That's the, exactly the right. intention of the heart. Like I might keep falling in an area yeah. I think God sees that as as still as worship. Like I'm and and, and there's gonna be transformation, you know what I mean? If you're constantly working on the things you have a problem with, and God constantly helping you, you God sees that and grace covers that. It's, it it sure But you just do it you just do it because you want like doing it. In short then that's a problem. If you're worried about being backslidden, <laughs> you're probably not backslidden. Yeah, there you go. That's a better way. You go on, brother. There's, there's a reason that, like, if you look through the New Testament alone and, like, count the ways of the urging for us to stay, to, like, fight, to put on the armor of God 
a reason for that. I think if there wasn't any chance of like losing salvation, maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal to like guard your heart, you know? Like it's over and over and over, and it even talks about eternity in those little passages. I feel like. <laughs> My conclusion when I was courting my wife during our very, very long courtship was that it's a moot point. Just like every other argument that I ever have. <laughs> In the end, even when I take a side, it doesn't really change, change anything of my doctrine. <laughs> so, my friend Joey, if he were still alive, if he had made a profession of faith, and I think he was an honest one, and been baptized, and joined the church, and then fallen away, and gone back to his very non-Christian family and his very non-Christian friends with no infrastructure, and then lived a very sinful life for the next 15 years before he got himself killed. 10 years. Uh, what he should have done during that 10 years period, what I should have done as his friend, has pulled him back into the church. He needs to redeem himself, even if he hasn't completely lost all sense of conscience. He needs to renew himself back to God and needs to walk the way and come back. And it doesn't, you know, it, 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 the, the, the effective approach for living people is the same, regardless of where you sit in this position. What we're arguing about is what happened after. You know, did he make it or not? No, he made it. I mean, I'm and more positive. I, I believe it's not easy for one to lose. I mean, if they have true salvation. Another Baptist. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a process, right? You're, there's temptation, and then that leads to this, and then this leads to that. Like, it's a process. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, don't know. I, I, I knew Joey in college. I don't know if he was particularly repentant about anything. So, yes, yes, Clayton, yes, Kate, okay, you're up. You have the floor now. All right, everybody, here's the trick. No, no, no. <laughs> Please explain. That's why we're here. Okay. The thing about it is balance. Balance? My Calvinist friends. You scripture about balance so like, in so here. Like, you mean like lukewarm? Yes. Yeah. My Calvinist friends, you know, with scriptures like this say, well, Paul was talking metaphorically, which that's stupid. I'm sorry. That's stupid. You know, right? When, when Paul's talking about falling away, he's, he's talking hypothetically like if it could happen. But it's it really seemed good. pretty direct. There yeah, was, yeah, there was yeah, no parable in there. I don't like yeah. that version of it. But yeah. on the other hand, growing up AG, I've seen we Arminians take the other extreme. And I've heard it said in this church by somebody not in this room said you can live a perfect life. But right before the rapture, if you covet your neighbor's car, you will go to hell. Yes, I've heard that. Which is the opposite extreme. Right. And balance. Here's the thing. We keep saying, well, I think he's in hell. I think he's in heaven. That ain't our call. Yeah, I agree. That's where we go back to the scripture, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sin is disobedience to what God is trying to work in your life. Mm -hmm. I find it amazing that when we're talking about our sins, we preach grace. When we're talking about other sins, we're talking about judgment on yeah. other people. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're sinners, right? Oh, but, but I live under grace. 
that is an imbalanced life. We're usually coming across, in our opinions, versus the unconditional eternal security versus the ability to fall away by our upbringings and what we grew up to believe, whether we're embracing it or trying to reject it and rebel against this. And and in this conversation, let's be frank, we're all bringing in our own personal belief systems. The thing is, I've tried to to develop my own personal belief system. But we we all have little prejudices that that drive that, though. Okay. My thing is, and and, and this is coming from a minister who's had to do funerals for the saved, and what I felt like, but it's not me putting them, that person never went to church, but this family's trying to put put them in heaven. Mm -hmm. I said, I leave it to a just and a holy God. He wants all people to be saved, but where do we get, what do we say about the person who went to vacation Bible school, gave his heart to the Lord, and then at 25 says, I reject it, there is no Jesus, he's not the Savior. Uh-huh. What do we do with that? Well, you smack yourself in the head by the Lord's mercy. Well, <laughs> according to Romans, it's over. But, or what do we do about the person that, the, the drug, and remember I used to be a, 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 a Addictions counselor, the person who gives their heart to the Lord, but they still struggle with drugs. Yeah. I had a question of a lot of people have asked me this. What if what about when a Christian commits suicide? Ah. Because the Bible says if you have hate in your heart towards anyone, you have murdered them. So there's really no you know But then is Grace able to cover that? And they have mental health issues. Because they can't repent. Yeah. But remember every point we make there's a counterpoint that mm-hmm. completely contradicts our point. I, I don't care which side of the issue you fall on. Mm-hmm. For every point, you great points that are made, there's great points on the opposite side. Right. Leave it. I, I just preach the gospel. Tell people to strive. <laughs> You're bailing. He's bailing. No, he's not bailing. He just jumped I've right seen, off the earth. I've seen people. And here's the thing. Calvinists have serious mental health issues because they can never question whether they're truly saved or not if they were ever part of the of the uh, predestined people. Mm-hmm. They've been in my office saying, they won't say to the church people, but they come in, I don't know if I'm really saved, man. That's a, that's that's horrible. But then I've seen other people on the other side of the issue says, Clayton, my, my man's got a new car and I really want that car. Now I've coveted, I'm going to hell. Extreme, <laughs> that's where I say balance. <laughs> and he's happy because they come into his office. No, and that's just as a minister, too. I've seen that to where the devil takes us to the extremes on both sides of an issue. And the thing is, disobedience is turning away from what God is working on you. God works with Jim in a certain way. He works with me in a certain way. Now, of course, the Bible is true for everyone. I'm not getting away from that, but, you know, Jim, I'm pretending to be Jim. I got a problem with your anger. Clayton, I have a problem with your pride. You know, he works with us at where we are at. Sin is disobedience to what God's working in your life. Can I read something? Oh, sorry. We kind of go. Oh, okay. And this is kind of, kind of, we talking about balance and everything. So, what I'm going to read is Matthew chapter 15, verse 16. It says, Out of the mouth comes from the heart. So, this is when we know the Lord kind of weighs our heart. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts. So, as a believer in Christ, if you're walking and you're no longer feeling the conviction of your sin and you turn from all this and you're going down that path, 
then you know, then you're. I would say you're you're in a dangerous spot. It also says in, in Romans chapter eight, to live by the flesh is to die. So you're going to see people that at one time in their life they were strong believers in Christ, and they quit going to church, they started walking in sin, you know, started living in the flesh, and tragic things happen like your friend getting shot in the head, you know. And so, you know, this is this is why we are to guard our thoughts, and this is kind of what the Lord bases our heart. He weighs our heart. So when we're the way we're processing things, how we respond to certain things, you know, it all comes into play of what is in our heart. So it's not easy for one to lose his salvation. I mean, when it talks about the, the vine and the branch, the Lord does say that he prunes as well, you know, and so it's it's a you know I, I it's 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 not it's it's more it, it's a more processed thing when you lose your salvation than what a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah. But it's also not such an easy thing of do I want to die? Yeah, you'll make yeah, it to heaven, yeah. bro. Yeah. There, there, here's the thing: the two, ex the extremism one way leads to a works-based salvation. Mm -hmm. I want to go I agree. The other way works to a libertinism, to where grace everything goes, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> and if your right. heart is in everything goes, I'm not putting you there, but there is a question there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If, if you're living everything goes, yeah, I can go out and sleep and murder and do all those things. And God's, I question it. I, I do yeah. question it. I question. Don't put you there. And then you have, we have all the verses in the Old Testament, especially that speak about like a dog returning to its vomit. Okay, you were set free from that. Right. But you willfully went back and partook of it again. Right. Is Saul in heaven? Is what? Saul in heaven, Old Testament. Saul? Interesting oh, yeah. question. He was anointed. He was. So a Baptist would say yes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think we're going to be surprised when we get there. By the ones that are oh, there. And by the <laughs> that oh, that's exactly right. Oh, Just oh, here's like my that. thing. Here's where it comes out. I got to focus on what I'm going to do right. over there. Right. I can't focus on Kevin and Jim because we get into this thing because then we start working. We really do work our salvation because we do become a you know, workspace salvation in that. Mm -hmm. To where, oh my, this is where, how do I prove we are so work our How salvation. am I to prove anybody is actually saved or not? I, I yeah. don't know. It's not your job. I don't. Well, you guys could all be Satan worshippers for all I know, and I'm the only one going to heaven. But it is faith. <laughs> You're just fooling me today. It's faith and works. So it, it is works, but it is faith. And then there's a pro, there's a point where we're given like a, a way to see if someone I'll tweak what you said. I agree if I'm going to tweak it. We're not saved by our works. Right. We're saved to do good works. Yeah. Yes. And, and, that's, that's, and that's a huge difference. That's yes. a huge difference. That's a huge difference. But the fruit is how you measure. That's yeah. very true. Right, so, you got to be careful because when we say faith and fruits, then it becomes a code. Okay, thing. well, since we have all the four minutes, what is fruits then? So, you know, I'm not sure I can put, uh, can absolutely say that I have personally led a one particular person to Christ all by myself. I don't know that I have one big shiny apple hanging on my tree. What is God working for fruits in your life, not compared to anybody? See, that's where we get the comparison gospel. Mm. I'm not, oh, that, per, I watch three hours TV a day, and the other person goes, well, I only watch one. That's comparison gospel. Right. 
That, that's it. When is God speaking? Well, for a second there, I thought you were picking on my TV. No, so. no, no. Okay. But people do that. That was an example. All right, because I, I was going to be in trouble there. I had there. a girl in my office who said, and this is a good girl. I mean, she's like 15 years old. She's, I mean, she loves the Lord. She reads her Bible every day, but she got get condemned by somebody because they read the Bible more than her. Right. Well, then your fruits aren't as good because I'm in the Bible three hours. You only do an hour. I, so are fruits what you do or are the fruits the results of what you do? The fruits aren't reading the Bible every day. The fruits are the result of what you do. You're not going to answer before Jesus how many hours a day you were in the Word. No, you're not. But there's always a preacher out there that will make it. But is there any fruit other than winning somebody over for God? Are we talking about the fruits of Christ? Well, I mean, okay, so it's just... Some fertilizer. All right. But that's what I was waiting at somebody to say. I want to go back to what we agreed. It is about working your salvation out. Yeah. Because Jesus is coming to Kim. Kim, I just want you to be the best teacher you can be in Sunday school. Right. Whereas, hey, Jim, I want you to go out and preach and do altar calls and get people saved. It's what Jesus does with the individual person. I mean, it's just, it's like I've got all my fellow ministers saying they think I've backslidden because I've given up pastoring for counseling. Uh But that's what I believe God would have me to do. I'm I'm trying to be obedient, and you'll go to heaven. (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) I'm sorry, Jennifer, what's up? And he said, your dad is going to heaven because he gave you the Bible. He gave you the Bible. He, he listened to music, Christian music. Okay. He didn't go to church, but, but and he, he drank. Well, I think Clayton was correct. We can't judge. It's not our fault. It's not our job to. So. As long as he believes you. Okay, let's finish on Romans 10 9, and then we're going to be done. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. There's nothing added to it. Okay. You gotta remember the man on the cross is Jesus. And that, Jesse, is my answer. (laughs)